This is the Word of God. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared In the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Father, this morning we see the longing and the peace in Simeon's heart. And I pray that it would create peace and longing in ours. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place just as your Holy Spirit was upon Simeon that he might see Christ. Let your Spirit be in and upon us that we may see him as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this past summer, many of us who who had loved ones on the Czech missions trip, we had a pretty stressful day. When our daughter Hannah told us the dates for the trip, we realized she would be getting home just a few days before our oldest daughter Maddie's wedding. Well, the day came for the team to return home. And it did not go as planned. I don't remember all the details, but the first flight out of Prague was canceled. Maybe a second flight as well. Needless to say, we started getting a bit nervous. Not only about Hannah missing the wedding, but the safety and the well-being and the hearts of the whole team. And at some point, there was a renewed hope that this team might make a flight So we were tracking Hannah's phone to see where she was. We had sent messages, but none of them had been returned. You remember. (laughs) Hour after hour, the tracking app said that she was in the Prague airport. Still no response. 
We didn't know if the team was in Prague or somewhere in Germany, in the air. We had no idea. Well, that afternoon I was in a meeting at work, and I decided to check the app one more time. And as I looked, Hannah's location said, New York, USA. And my heart was filled with joy and a great peace came over me. And I thought to myself, my daughter's in New York City. She's safe. (laughs) And Hannah and the whole team had made it home. Our daughter, she stood beside the other children at the wedding. You see, what happened to me in that moment was longing had given way to peace. It had found its fulfillment in a profound peace that came over me. And this is what happens to Simeon Simeon in our text this morning. A life's longing giving way to an overwhelming peace. If you want an outline for the sermon, here it is this morning. Simeon's longing, Simeon's peace, our peace, our longing. Yes, it's a four-point sermon. But don't worry, it's going to climb uphill and it's going to roll down. Okay, so, so stay with me. We're about to climb uphill for a second. This is the setting of our text. This is where we have to do some work. You see, before the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they had left Nazareth and traveled to Bethlehem to register for the census. Do you remember that? And while they were there, Jesus was born. And now, about 40 days later, they've made the trek up to Jerusalem. That's a lot of traveling with a 40-day-old child, right? And they've done this for two reasons. First, the time for Mary's purification had come. Because of the importance of blood and the sacrificial system, stay with me, don't gloss over when I say that. Because of the importance of blood in the sacrificial system and to which it points, namely the sacrificial Lamb of God, Blood had to be dealt with very carefully and in very specific ways. And having just given birth, Mary had to wait the prescribed number of days before she could come to the temple. Leviticus 12 prescribes that this waiting period after the birth of a son was 40 days. Now that same chapter requires that the woman, presumably with her husband, bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. In the case of those who could not afford a lamb, the law permitted two birds. So Mary and Joseph have come with two birds to offer at the temple as a result of Mary's son being born. And that's the second reason that they've come. You see, Jesus was Mary's firstborn son. You you may remember in the account of the Exodus and in the Passover that the angel of death took the lives of all the firstborn in Egypt from the greatest to the smallest. And he would have taken the firstborn of Israel, but God made a way for their salvation in the Passover lamb. And in Exodus 13 and other passages in the law, we read that as a reminder of this great salvation, God required that all the firstborn males who are not of the tribe of Levi were to be consecrated or set apart as belonging to the Lord. And then the family, stay with me, the family could redeem this child For five shekels and take them home. All this was a reminder that a price was paid for the salvation of the firstborn in Egypt. 
And verse 22 says they came to present Jesus to the Lord. And verse 23 explains why, which I've just said. So that's the second reason. So the first reason they came was for Mary's purification sacrifice. And the second was to devote Jesus to the Lord and redeem him. And that may sound odd to us, that Jesus would need to be redeemed. Is that odd? The Redeemer needs to be redeemed? Remember what Jesus said when John the Baptist tried to refuse to baptize Jesus. He said, no, I can't do that. I, you should baptize me. What did Jesus say to him? Matthew 3.15, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus had no sin of which to repent, but he submitted to being baptized by John to associate with the people he was going to save. So Mary and Joseph are presenting Jesus to the Lord and redeeming him as was customary in the law. And you know what? It may have seemed like a very ordinary thing to do that day. An ordinary, faithful thing to do, and it was. But something was about to happen. In the midst of all that ordinary, I want you to imagine the scene. They're at the temple. People are going about, coming and going, minding their own business. The Holy Spirit was about to do a marvelous work in the life of a man named Simeon. Look at verse 25. Keep your scriptures handy. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon's longing. You know, we don't know much about Simeon. The text doesn't say if he was a priest. I don't much think he was. As far as we can tell, Simeon had no official title or office or role at the temple. He was what we might call a layman. But what we do know about him is far more important. We know four things about Simeon. First, he was a righteous man. This most likely points to how he dealt with other people. He was the kind of man who took the law of the Lord seriously in his dealing with his neighbor. He longed for a world made right, and he did his part to show the glory and righteousness of God to others. And secondly, the text says that he was devout. This points to his devotion to God. He was probably faithful in prayer. I would think Simeon was a Psalm 1 man. Do you know what I mean by that? His delight was in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditated day and night. Simeon was a Psalm 1 man. And thirdly, we know that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, I just need to tell you, the workings of the Holy Spirit are mysterious. Jesus compared the work of the Spirit to the wind. You don't know if it's coming or it's going. It blows where it will. And at the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the work of the Spirit came into a little clearer focus for us, didn't it? We know the Holy Spirit indwells every believer at regeneration. But prior to Pentecost, the Spirit's work, it's harder to define. 
We know the Holy Spirit came upon some of the Old Testament saints at specific times for great works. Well, Simeon, in a way, is an Old Testament saint, isn't he? Just as John the Baptist was the, the last Old Testament prophet. And the text says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And fourth, we know Simeon was a man of longing. How do we know? Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Friends, that is a promise that reveals a deep, deep longing. You know, it would be weird for the Lord to come to me and say, Eric, you will not taste death until you have tasted escargot. It would be weird because there has never been one second of my life that I ever wanted to eat a snail. Not one. But if the Lord had come to me last July and revealed to me by the Holy Spirit that I would not see death until I saw my daughter's location icon appear at LaGuardia, that would have hit me in the center of my longing. The direct center. For that nine hours, it's really all I wanted. You see, what Simeon wants, what he yearns for in the depth of his soul is to see the arrival of the Lord's promised Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed one. Why? Why was Simeon driven and captivated by this desire to see the Lord's Christ? Because he was a Psalm 1 man. He had meditated on the word of God and he knew what the messianic age would look like. I did a brief survey for us of some of the promises and descriptions of the Messiah and the age that his arrival will usher in. Now, as I read, see if this is a world you could learn to long for. The Messiah will be God with us, Emmanuel. Though we see through a glass darkly now, we will one day see him face to face. Is that, a, is that a world you can long for? The Messiah will judge and rule in perfect righteousness and justice. He'll be a leader of perfect wisdom. He will rule in complete understanding and strength and knowledge. Isaiah says he will delight in God and not himself. But in his strength, this Messiah, he'll be gentle and like a shepherd of his own flock, gathering up his lambs into his own arms. He will lead them to still waters and make them lie down in soft green pastures. Is that a world you could long for? And what will be the result of this Messiah's reign? All nations will come to him for light and provision and justice. The kings of the earth will bring their gifts into him. There will be no more wars like David prayed about. This morning, there'll be no more divisions. His rule will increase in both magnitude and peace to the extent that the world will know no end to either. An in, no end to peace. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Harvesters will rejoice in great joy when the abundance of their crops surpasses any hope of fruitfulness that they could even muster. 
The wilderness will be like Eden and the deserts like the garden of the Lord. There will be complete pardon of sin. This Messiah will take our sin on himself and give us his righteousness. Everything Israel lost in her rebellion will be restored. And she will become a blessing to all the families of the earth, just like God told Abraham. Is this a world you could learn to love? The zeal of the Lord of hosts has done this. He's inaugurated it. He will do it fully one day. This was Simeon's longing. And it was made all more powerful in his heart because of the world in which he found himself. Simeon was a man walking and longing upstream. Rather than being a light to the nations, Israel had turned in on itself. Rather than being exalted to the glory of God, Israel had been brought low under the rule of Rome. Rather than being ruled by a righteous, wise, strong, and gentle son of David, Israel was ruled by the cruel, foolish Herod. Bloodthirsty. A man who loved himself rather than God. And yet, Simeon believed. He believed every promise of God would find its yes and amen in the Lord's time. So he kept longing. Application, the promises of God are not mitigated or lessened or nullified by your current situation or crisis. Simeon would tell you that if you were here this morning. Simeon was a man who believed the promises of God despite what he saw with his eyes. He was a man believing upstream. And all this believing and this longing was about to give way to peace. Because just as Simeon entered the temple that day, so did Mary and Joseph. Carrying the one for whom Simeon had always longed, the Lord's Christ, the infant Jesus. Look at verse 27. This is Simeon's peace. And he, that is Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. That statement has captivated me this week. I don't know how Simeon knew this Jesus was the Lord's Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, Jesus had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. Listen, most all babies are cute. But contrary to medieval art, there was no halo above the baby Jesus' noble brow that day. To be sure, in some way, the Holy Spirit who was upon Simeon had revealed this truth to him. But let me say this. 
Simeon was looking for the Lord's Christ. All his thought was bent on him. A promise had been made to him that he would see the Lord's Christ and he was looking for the Lord's Christ that day and every day. We might say he had eyes to see and ears to hear. And when he saw Jesus, he was overwhelmed. And Simeon took Jesus in his arms and gave glory to God and said those words that I hope begin captivating you this morning. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word because I've seen your salvation. The thing, the person, that era that Simeon had so long awaited had come. We might say the only thing he ever wanted has been given to him and he is finally at peace. And just like the wave of relief that came over me when I saw the Czechs team plane plane had landed in New York. But a thousand times more profoundly, every anxiety, every fear in Simeon's heart had just been removed by the Lord's Christ. Every longing fulfilled, like the waters cover the sea, Simeon's heart is drenched with the truth that all the promises of God have found their yes and amen in Jesus. He is so fulfilled in his soul that he is now ready to die. The promise of peace has become a reality of peace for Simeon. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever experienced that? That peace of knowing that Jesus has truly come? You see, Simeon's peace is our peace. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God find their yes and amen, amen in Jesus Christ. And Simeon knew that. Do you know it? Let me say this tenderly to you this morning. There are people in this room who have never looked on Jesus and found the peace that Simeon found when he took that infant Jesus into his arms. You see, Simeon met the infant Christ. But we now proclaim to you not only an infant Christ, but as Robert read this morning, a crucified Christ. A risen Christ, a reigning Christ, a returning Christ. Have you taken hold of the risen Christ and found true peace in Him? Have you ever, for one minute, just one minute, put down your questions and your anxieties about the future your struggle with that difficult doctrine and said to Jesus, I need you. I need you. And I want to rest in what you've done for me, but I don't know how. In a few minutes, Robert's going to come up here and he's going to invite all those who've put their faith in Jesus to receive these elements. 
And when he does, you are going to hear these words of Jesus himself. This is my body broken for you. This morning, if you have believed in Christ, here. But you seem to never experience his peace. I want you to focus on these two words in the Lord's Supper this morning. For you. If you have put your faith in him, in this supper... Jesus comes to you and he says, this is my body broken for you. Let that promise, which is yes and amen, flow over your soul this morning. The questions can wait. The hard doctrines can wait. The anxieties can wait. For one minute, let the peace of Jesus Christ, bought for you by his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection. Let that peace reign in your heart this morning. Simeon saw the infant Christ, and his longing gave way to a peace that passes understanding. That peace is ours. Broken for you. My friend Chris Slayton, his band name is Son of Laughter. Some of you know him. He wrote a song, we've sung it here several times, called The Meal We Could Not Make. This is a meal we could not make. Listen to Chris's chorus. Listen to this. Take and eat. All the work is done. Stretch out your feet in the Sabbath sun in an hour of silence before God. That added that part for Robert. With this bread, old ambitions break. All those things that I thought I had to have for peace, they're broken at this meal. And as we pour the wine, we feel our hungry hearts awake to the meal we could not make. Isn't that beautiful? Believer, all the work is done for your salvation. All of it. Stretch out your feet today in the Sabbath sun that Jesus has made for you and rest in Him. The Sabbath is a gift. This meal is a gift. Jesus Christ is the gift of gifts. His grace is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. There is a peace that passes understanding for us if we will take Jesus in our arms and believe all he is and all he has done. And what you will find is it is not you who have taken him in your arms. Jesus takes you in his. And now our longing. Simeon's longing led to peace. And in the light of the resurrection, our peace in Christ leads to more longing. As we pour the wine, we fill our hungry hearts awake. Simeon had a longing of an inauguration of the kingdom. And when he died, it was the inauguration of the messianic age that had led to his peace. But for us, this peace we now experience, it leads us back to longing. A longing of consummation and fulfillment and completeness.
a longing to see all things made new. For Simeon, the inauguration was enough. For us, it won't be. We've seen too much. We've tasted too much. This morning and this whole Sabbath, and maybe every Sabbath, I want us to rest in the peace that Jesus has bought. But at other times, let that longing grow in you. You see, at Jesus' first advent, he inaugurated the kingdom. At his second coming, he will make it full and real. And everything we read from Isaiah that that Simeon was longing for, all of those things will not be fulfilled in part. They'll be fulfilled in whole. You see, in case you haven't noticed, and you have, not everything Simeon longed for is here yet. The nations do not flock to Jesus Christ for light and salvation and wisdom yet. But more and more they are. The effects of the fall still ravage the earth. Crops disappoint. We still see through a glass glass darkly. Just as sure as Simeon saw the inauguration of the Lord's Christ's rule, we will all one day see its fulfillment. Maybe in your lifetime. Or maybe with Simeon, one day you will be ready to breathe your last with this peace that Christ has brought. That just as surely as he came once, he will certainly come again. And you can lay your head down and depart in peace, knowing that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Him. So as my friend Chris so skillfully penned, church, take and eat. All the work is done. Stretch out your feet in the Sabbath sun. And as you do, let your hungry hearts awake for more. For the world that Jesus will one day bring and finally make new, let this peace we experience now grow. Feed it with the word of God that it grows into a longing, a longing for more of him and his never-ending reign of peace. You see, Mary and Joseph came to the temple that day with two birds because they thought they didn't have a lamb. They had the only lamb. They had the only lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lord's Messiah. I pray that you would experience peace in this meal today. Like Simeon, when he saw the reality of the coming of the Lord's Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, there is so much brokenness yet. There are so many hearts that yet are in rebellion, that stray, that long for lesser things. Some of those hearts are ours, Lord. I pray that you would crush every rival and become the only thing that our hearts long for. And that we would see you be taken in your arms and find true peace and grow in a longing for more and more of you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.